Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Today we're going to uh, be in week four of our series, Lost Art, and this is all about what we're calling uh, Timeless Virtues. So basically character traits that we want to recapture the importance of, understand the importance of them, and just live within those uh, character traits, those virtues. So the first two weeks, we looked at the the virtue of honor, and we talked about why honor is so important, and it's so rare, and that's one reason it's so important. We're trying to bring back that lost art, and then who we honor and how we do that. And then last week, we started a two-week discussion on the virtue of perseverance, So last week was a very practical thing, how it works out in your everyday life, different decisions that you make, different areas of your life. This week, we're going to continue with this virtue of perseverance, but in a a bit of a unique way. So how we're going to tackle perseverance today is I want to talk about this idea of spiritual perseverance, spiritual perseverance, or how perseverance can affect and really enhance your spiritual life. So how many of you know that faith is a journey, right? It's a daily grind. And that can be good, but can also be discouraging. That's why perseverance we're going to see today is so important. So Hebrews chapter 11, I don't have it on the screen, but Hebrews 11.1 gives us a definition of faith. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now you think about what that really is saying, belief without seeing is, is faith, right? So with, that, with the nature of faith being what it is, Faith can be difficult. If we're honest, faith can be difficult. Even people with strong, solid faith are going to have their moments of weakness. Even people with long, with years and years and years of deep-rooted, deep-seated, strong, tried-and-tested faith are going to have times or seasons in their life where it's more difficult than at other times. And there will be a time where all of us at one point or another are going to want to give up in one way or another. Maybe you're going to want to give up altogether. I tried the faith thing. I was promised this bill of goods that were not delivered. I'm done. I was lied to. I was bamboozled. I was fooled. So I'm done. Or sometimes we're like, you know, I tried to really go all in and I see some benefit, but it's what we'll talk about today. It's just so much work. There's just so much to it. It's so big and vast and confusing and overwhelming. I'm just going to kind of pull back and sort of live my life of faith on the fringe. So what we're going to see today is why that cannot be an option, how we need perseverance in our spiritual lives. And today's going to seem maybe kind of sort of basic, but I hope that we get deep down into the basic reality of our faith and see why and how perseverance is so key, so important in our spiritual lives. So look at three key areas of our spiritual lives that, again, are fairly basic, Uh, but I think if we can look and see why perseverance is so important in strengthening those areas and how it can enhance our faith, it will hopefully be very, very beneficial to our spiritual lives. So the first one is a little generic, but we'll camp here for a little bit. 
the first way in which we need spiritual perseverance is in spiritual growth. So growth is good, isn't it? Like physical growth is good. It's natural, it's normal, it follows sort of a, a process and things happen in a certain order in a certain way and you're like, okay, this is good, we're meeting a, a milestone here, we're crossing this mile marker here, this is amazing, we're, we're, hitting, we're hitting our stride here, things are going well. But there's also something in that process that you experience as a younger child called growing pains. Now, those are not fun times. How do you remember waking up as a like, seven, eight-year-old, your legs, ah, you know, I remember waking up as a little kid, and, and all of a sudden, I, my legs are on fire, and I'm crying and screaming, like, what's going on? My parents come in, what's wrong? My legs hurt. Oh, it's growing pain. Shut up, go to bed, you know. No, <laughs> my parents didn't do that. They were nice. They were nicer than I am with my kids, just a little slightly. No, but that, that's ha- that happens, right? And while it's not... Uh, nice, it doesn't feel good, it's still normal. It's still a good thing. Growth is happening. Progress is happening. It's, it's a positive in the grand scheme of things. It's the same thing with exercise or getting fit. If you're going to do it right, it's going to hurt, okay? Now, if you do it wrong, it's going to hurt too, so you got to know the difference. Uh, why is my shoulder dislocated? Probably lifted too much, so that's not what I'm saying, but you're going to feel the burn, right? If you're doing it right, you're going to, as you, the you try to run and max out, you're going to get winded. It's going to, your, your, your side, and like, that's why I hated running laps in gym class, because my side would always hurt, you know? So those things, though, are part of the process. And in fact, there's the famous phrase, no pain, no gain. That's part of the deal. Now, pain is not good. We don't like that. We resist that. We say, wow, that doesn't feel good. I don't like that. But in the right way, in the right sense, in the proper context, even that sort of pain is stretching us, growing us physically. Pain can have, it's part of the process. It's also true in spiritual growth. Let me give you two sort of ways in which we see this pain and spiritual growth, but don't, don't resist it. We want to push past it. We want to persevere through the pain, push through that for the benefit. The first way is really in what we call spiritual disciplines. Again, the classic stuff, getting into scripture, reading your Bible, praying, even fasting is a good one because that actually does cause like literal pain if you do it long enough, that sort of thing. So those types of things are not always fun, are they? That's why they're called spiritual disciplines. We have to discipline ourselves to do these things in order for spiritual growth to happen. Many times these things are inconvenient. It's not convenient for me to set aside time to get, in my, to get alone with God. I have other things I need to get done. My list is growing longer by the minute. Where am I going to find the time? Where am I going to find the energy to do this sort of thing? So it can be painful in that sort of way. And like we talked about last week, when you look at, think about the Bible, reading the Bible, that can be overwhelming. You mean this huge, thick book that's a book of books? That's a book of books. That's an ancient book of books. You want me to get into that and get something out of that? That's painful. I don't, that's overwhelming to me. I don't know where to start or what to get from it. And so sometimes we just kind of quit on that. But I want to encourage us to persevere. Also, what we talked about a little bit last week, and I want to hit this again, is sometimes in our spiritual growth, we don't see a lot of progress. And that can be defeating, can it? And what happens is sometimes not only do we look at our own progress and see a lack of it, but then we compare our progress to somebody else's progress. You know what we always do? Always. We always compare our little bitty baby step progress to this giant over here. Look at them! 
they really love Jesus. Look, I mean, they read the Bible three hours a day. And it's like, how about you try to compare yourself to someone maybe more in your lane here, more in your category, okay? Maybe you're in A-ball and they're in the majors. That's fine. What we're trying to do is progress. We're trying to grow. So, but sometimes it can be painful to look to perceive a lack of spiritual growth, a lack of progress in our lives. So sometimes what we want to do is we just want to quit. We want to abort mission. We want to stop the process. We say, well, I don't really feel anything when I read the Bible. I should feel something, right? I don't feel that. So what's, what's the point? Let's quit on that. Or, you know, I don't really feel like God's answering any of my prayers, so is it really worth it? I don't feel any stronger. I don't feel any better. Nothing's changing. Nothing's happening. I, you know, like maybe even on the way to church, you cussed your kids out in the car because they wouldn't get ready fast enough. And you're sitting here like, oh, man, yeah, I probably should. Okay, we're all growing. We're, okay, we're all on this thing together. We're all figuring this out. So we, we sometimes perceive, we talked about again last week, a lack of progress and we say, I, I can't push anymore, I can't give anymore, I can't do anymore. Let me share with you, though, I think, and this may help us to push through that, to persevere, I want to show you what spiritual growth really looks like. We have this idea of what I've just described of how it looks, all these things I have to do, the chores I have to check off the chore chart, and the ways I have to behave, and this, this thing, okay? But let me give you the reality of what spiritual growth looks like. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul here writes, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So let me read that again, Philippians 1.6. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns returns. There's two positive parts to spiritual growth and spiritual life from this verse and one more I'll get to in a second that I want to help us to push past the pain uh, in spiritual growth. The first one is this. What does this verse say? God is doing the work in you. Notice how I framed it before we read this verse. I have to read the Bible. I have to pray. I have to fall in line. I have to behave. I have to look right, act like, think right, be right. It's all about what I'm doing. Now, there is some work involved. The spiritual disciplines are there for us to do, yes. However, simply the act of doing those is not what grows you spiritually, okay? If we look at Philippians 1.6, it's what God does through those disciplines that grows us. It's not just that me reading the words on the page of Scripture that does anything. It's when he illuminates my understanding to find out what he's really trying to tell me through this Scripture today that is going to grow me spiritually, it is me understanding through the Holy Spirit as I read what that means for my life today, what that means for my situation right now. That's what causes spiritual growth, not just simply the act of doing that thing. It's not just that I pray and do my thing. Oh, I prayed today and I said my prayers and I did that. No, it's, that what, it's what God does through those prayers that causes spiritual growth. It's when he kind of gives you a little nudge, a little sense of his presence that, man, I, I heard that. I heard you. Sometimes you, not every time, not every day, okay, so don't get in that discouragement mode. We want to persevere through sometimes what we feel or don't feel and understand that what we're doing has benefit, but it's God doing the work. So that can maybe take, can take a load off, take some pressure off. It's God doing the work in us. And the second thing that he, we see from this verse, and then we'll read another one in a second, is that we are always a constant work in progress. Okay, let's look at another, we'll come back to this one in a second, but let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, Paul, we're reading a lot of Paul today, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18. So Paul writes, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, 
The veil is taken away. So he's going back to Moses on the mountain. He goes up to see God. God's glory is so strong he has to put a veil over his face because that's how strong God's glory is, right? So what he's saying is when we, be, when we become Christians, the barrier between us and God is now removed. We discussed that on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, but that's what he's saying here. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and here's the key here, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I'll read verse 18 in a different translation to help you see what I'm really trying to push here, that we're a work in progress. God's doing the work, and we're a work in progress. So this is uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the English Standard Version. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see the difference there? He says, we are being transformed. It is a continual process. It is a daily thing. Part of the discouragement that we face in spiritual growth is we're not seeing it fast enough, but we are being changed. It may happen at a slower pace for you right now, right? Maybe your roots are growing deeper, so you're not going as far. You're like, I'm really digging into this thing in Scripture or this topic or this book of the Bible, so you feel like I'm only reading like five verses a day, but your roots maybe are growing deep. You don't see that, but there's a huge effect that's happening, a positive effect that might be happening. Maybe you're stuck on praying for the same types of things over and over, and you're like, okay, is this ever going to happen? When can I pray about something else? Maybe God's, as we'll talk about in a minute, having you push through that for a reason, for a purpose. Okay, so we want to see that God's doing the work and we are being transformed. We're being, becoming more and more like him. It's not an overnight thing, okay? We are not Jiffy Pop. It does, it's not going to happen in 2 minutes and 25 seconds, okay? It's just not how faith works. It's not how spiritual growth tends to work. We are never completed. Again, back to Philippians 1. He says, God will continue his work for how long? Until Christ returns, so it's not like you're going to be done next week. It's not like you're going to max out when you hit a certain age. It's not like you get your 50-year serving Jesus pin and you've arrived. No, no. The work that God is doing, he continues to do day after day after day, slowly but surely for the rest of your life. Be in, let that be an encouragement to you today. Don't be looking for, I'm reaching this level, reaching it. Now, we, again, we do want to progress, but we get so caught up on, oh, I, I feel this, or I sense that, or I've reached this level, I've, I've reached the summit. It's like, no, no, the work is always happening. So even through growing pains of discouragement, don't quit. Persevere in your spiritual growth. Even through the things that you feel like you have to do to make that happen, yes, you're part of that, but God's doing the work. He's bringing the growth. So be encouraged and persevere for continued spiritual growth. The second area of our spiritual life where perseverance is needed is in prayer. I kind of got ahead of myself a second ago getting into that, but it's true. So one of the most famous verses in the Bible, one of the shortest verses, if you want to memorize this verse of the Bible, today's your day. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. You've just memorized another verse in the Bible. There you go. You're welcome. Never stop praying. Now, I think this is a challenge to persevere in prayer. That's what this is. It's an invitation to persevere in prayer. And even Jesus, I mentioned this story several times, I feel like, here's the thing, let me just kind of step out for a second uh, and tell you internally what, sometimes how I think about preaching. So I sometimes we'll hear an athlete talk about a play that happened six weeks ago, and they know every part of that play, and you're like, 
I don't remember that. I feel like sometimes I do that in preaching. Like, man, I, I tell the story all the time. It's like, well, I probably remember every single point of every single sermon I've ever preached, but, you know, like 95% of it is lost on everyone else. So I can do this. So that, now I'm going to get back into where I'm at, but I just want to kind of give you mentally sometimes where I go with that. So Jesus tells a parable one time. It's got two different titles. One's the unjust judge, or the other title is the uh, persistent widow. And it's the same story with two different titles, basically. And so the story is there's this judge, and he's like an evil dude, doesn't care about justice or helping people, but he's still a judge. Does that remind you of anyone? No, no, no. I'm just... Unfortunately, there are probably judges like that, right? So this woman comes to him every single day with the same request, I want justice, give me justice. And every day he just shoves her out of the courtroom. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to hear your complaint. Get out. She comes back every day, every day every day. Give me justice. Hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. Help me. Help me. And he will not listen to her. And then Jesus says, finally, she breaks him down. And he says, okay, okay, woman, just tell me what you want. I'll give you what you want to get out of my hair. But at the beginning of this parable, um, the author of 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 the gospel here tells us why Jesus told this story. He says, Jesus told his disciples this story so that they would learn to pray and not give up. So they would persevere in prayer. And at the end of this story, you would say, well, how is God like this judge? And here's what Jesus says. He's the opposite of this judge. He is just. He does care. He does hear. And he will act. So what he's doing is he's juxtaposing this unjust judge with the most just judge ever. He says, if this unjust judge who doesn't care about God or people will finally give this woman what she wants, how much more will your heavenly father who loves you give you what you ask for? Again, the purpose of the parable is to pray and not give up. And then the brother of Jesus, James, in James 5, 16, he says, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. That is true, but we have to persevere in prayer for that to happen. It's not a one-time, fly-by thing. God, take care of this, amen, one time. God can do that, but I think what he wants, rather, is that we persevere in prayer. So there's a woman in 1950, her name was Florence Chadwick, maybe you've heard her story before, but in 1950, Florence Chadwick uh, swam the English Channel from England to France. It's about 21 miles wide, pretty cold, rough waters. So in in August of 1950, she swam from England to France uh, in almost record time. And then about a year later, 1951, she swam the other way and actually broke the woman's world record at the time for swimming the English Channel from England to France. So the next year, she tries to challenge herself a little bit more. She's going she's gonna to swim the Catalina Channel. So that's between the coast of California and Catalina Island. This one's 26 miles. She's going to try to swim 26 miles uh, in the cold Pacific Ocean. Uh, and so she sets out, and she's been swimming now for over 15 hours. So to give you a, a comparison, she swam the English Channel 21 miles in about 13 and a half hours. So now she's going 26 miles, rough water, chilly water, dense fog. She hasn't been able to see more than like a couple feet in front of her for 15 hours in the ocean. And after 15 hours, she's like, I can't go any further. I got to quit. And so there's a couple of boats following her, uh, keeping her time, the coach is there and all that. She has to get in the boat. She, She can't finish her swim. So, but to her horror, she discovers once she gets in the boat, she was less than a mile from the shore. She swam for over 15 hours, over 25 miles, and she was that close, but she couldn't go any further. I wonder if sometimes we pray that same way. 
I wonder if sometimes we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for the same thing for months or years, and we're like, I've reached my limit, God. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of hoping it's going to happen. I'm going to move on to something else. And I wonder if we were that close. Like, I wonder if we had just pushed through a little further, prayed a little longer, believed a little more, right? I'm not saying lack of faith is, it is, well, never mind. Just forget I said any of that. But I am saying that why would you pray for so long about something so important and then just decide randomly I'm just going to be done? But I fear that we do that probably more often than we think. We're on the brink of a breakthrough, and right when it's there, we can almost smell it, but because we don't feel it and and have the prayer answered completely in our timing, we're just like, I got to bail. I got other things to worry about. This is just not going to happen. It's not in the cards for me. God's answer must be no. Even though he's not said that yet, we still bail. We got to persevere in prayer. Why would we give up? If we, it's so important to give it to God, don't quit giving it to God. Push through the feeling, push through the, the confusion, push through the unanswered prayer, and persevere in prayer. So two months after her failed attempt to swim the Catalina Channel, Florence Chadwick gives it one more go. Same conditions, chilly water, rough water, fog so dense she can't see in front of her. However, here's the one difference. The one difference this time was she said, I kept visualizing the shoreline the entire swim. Again, over 15 hours in rough, chilly waters, fog so dense she can't see more than a couple feet in front of her, but this time she finished the swim and broke another world record in the process. Why? She persevered. She pushed through because she knew I was so close. I was right there, and I was aching all over, and I was shivering, and I couldn't see, and I was exhausted, but I pushed through. I persevered, and she made it to her destination. I believe as we persevere in prayer, we will see God answer things we didn't think he would. I believe if we we push past the doubt and uncertainty and maybe doubt and unbelief at times, we can see God come through on the other side of that. Maybe in your prayers, the fog is so dense and you don't see how God's going to come through. Maybe the doctor has said, there's no way this can happen, right? Maybe maybe you look at what's in the natural and it's like, God, only God can do this. So push through and persevere in prayer. That's the encouragement. That's the only way it's going to happen. If we quit, what have we done? If we quit, what are we saying? Let's push through all of those things that we can't understand and aren't seeing and that we feel and persevere in prayer. That is a powerful thing for our spiritual life. Here's the third one that we'll camp on for a little bit here as well. I want us to persevere in sharing our faith. Persevere in sharing our faith. Let's read this, Romans 10, 13 through 16. Paul again here says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But here's where perseverance is required. Ready for this? Verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message. Perseverance is required in effectively sharing your faith, which is, as a follower of Jesus, basically your only job. That's the calling. 
If you've been called by Christ to serve him and follow him, your one job is to tell everyone about him. That's the deal. That's the rub. That's the whole thing. So let me give you three quick encouragements on this topic that might help us push past and persevere in sharing our faith. Again, the one key thing that we're all called to do as followers of Jesus. The first thing, the first encouragement on this would be to look for opportunities to share your faith and keep looking for those opportunities. Look for them and keep looking for them. So in Acts chapter 8, there's a story of Philip, so not the, not the disciple Philip, a different Philip, but he is a leader in the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And um, so he's basically just minding his own business, wandering down the street, and he senses God direct him to talk to a specific person. There's a dude sitting over there in his chariot by himself reading something. God says, go talk to him. He has no idea who this person is or what he's doing or what's going to happen, but he senses God give him this opportunity. So despite the fear and uncertainty that may be running through his mind and his heart, he goes and approaches him. Turns out this man is from Ethiopia. He's been visiting Jerusalem, and he's actually a high-ranking official in the queen's court there in Ethiopia. Queen Candace is her name. So he goes and talks to this man who's reading a scroll, and he approaches him and says, hey, what are you reading? And the guy says, well, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. It's this Jewish prophet. Have you heard of him? And Philip's like, well, you're in luck. And so he shows him exactly what he's reading, and he's reading the scripture where it says, like a lamb to the slaughter, he was led. That's what he's reading. And so the man says, hey, do you know, is the prophet talking about himself here? Is he talking about somebody else? And Philip's like, hey, so again, God let him here for this moment, for this opportunity. So they hop in this chariot, start just going down the street together, and he explains to him, Isaiah the prophet's talking about this man named Jesus. Jesus is God in flesh. He's the Son of God. He fulfills this and all other prophecies in that scroll, and he has come to save you if you will give your life to him. And so in the chariot there, while reading the scroll, this man gives his life to Christ. And while they're going along in the chariot, they see a body of water. And the man says, hey, there's water. Let's get baptized. And so Philip's like, let's do it. So they hop out of the chariot. He, and it's, here's what it says. You can read it for yourself in Acts chapter 8. So it says, as they're coming out of the water... The Holy Spirit basically transports Philip to another town several miles north of where they are. It's kind of a cool thing, kind of a weird thing, but here's the deal. All Philip did here, all he did was look for an opportunity that God laid in front of him to talk to somebody about Jesus. And that man's life was changed. And again, think about the influence this guy has. He's a high-ranking official in the queen's court. Can you imagine what potential influence he's going to have on powerful people? All because one person said yes to this opportunity that God gave him. That's all he did. And then he was, I don't know, beamed up, Scotty, to somewhere else magically, supernaturally, right? To then do it all over again. So that's all I'm saying here. Look for those opportunities. God will direct you. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're looking for those opportunities, he will say, hey, there's that person right there. You mean in line at Walmart? Maybe. It's a great place. They are so captive right there. They have nowhere to go, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, look for those opportunities. Maybe it's a total stranger. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. It can be anyone and everyone, but look for those opportunities and persevere and keep looking for them. Simple but effective and powerful. Here's a second encouragement about sharing our faith to help us persevere. And this one doesn't seem like it fits, but just hang with me for a minute and you'll see why it does. Let me encourage you, as you share your faith, to share your worldview, not simply your opinions. Let me, let me tell you how those are different. 
let me encourage you as you share your faith to share your experience over just what you think. Okay? Let me say it one more way. Don't just tell someone what you believe or what they should believe, but tell them why you believe it and why it will change their life. Okay? That's the point. Because here's what we do. Here's, here's how we usually don't persevere in sharing our faith. We will say, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. I don't have the degree. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm going to make a fool of myself. See, that, the barrier comes immediately, right away. I don't know what to say. And it sounds good, but you do know what to say. All the gospel is is you sharing how Christ changed your life. We're done. That's it. That's all we're doing here. We're not trying to give a three-point sermon to this person. Now, if that comes through that, that's great, okay? We're not trying to teach them this huge theological idea. If it comes to that, great. If God directs you in that way, that's great. But again, the power of the gospel is the difference it made in your life and the difference that you claim it can make in everyone else's life. So it's not about theology, Bible verses, the Ten Commandments, these beliefs, these rules. You got to do these things. It's not about that. It's about how Jesus changed your life. I'll just give you some ways to maybe that can help you propel and persevere in this. Maybe it's someone who's struggling with an addiction. Maybe you have been there. You can say, you know what? I know where you've been. I was addicted, but Christ freed me. That's the difference he made in my life. Or maybe you're talking to somebody, and you're, whoever you talk to right about now, this time in our culture, they're going to have fear, more than likely. So you can say, you know what? I used to live in constant, total fear, but Christ in him I place my trust. So even despite the things I'm not sure about and I'm fearful about, I can have certainty in him. That's the gospel. That's sharing your faith. Again, I didn't really do anything fancy there. I just shared the difference that Christ has made in my life. Maybe you could say, I used to be full of hate and rage, but Christ released me from that. I was sad and hopeless, but in Christ I found joy and hope. Maybe you would say, I used to be a chronic worrier, but in Christ I found peace. Maybe you would say, you know, I, I was sick, I was ill, but Christ healed me. Maybe that's how the gospel has transformed your life. Or maybe you would even say, I'm still waiting on that healing, but I still put my faith in the one who can heal me. So even this unanswered prayer that you're dealing with, that you're struggling with, can be an avenue to share the hope of the gospel, the power of the gospel with someone else. Maybe you would say, you know, I used to be lost and without direction, but in Christ, I found purpose. I found direction in him. I, I kind of now know what my life's going to look like. Like he's, he's helping me to make things so clear. Now, do you see how much easier that is than getting antsy about a three-point presentation to the person in line at Walmart? So much easier. And do you see how so, so unoffensive that is? You're not pointing your finger at someone saying, you need to get your life right with God. Again, if it comes to that, point away, I guess, right? It's fine. Uh, however... What you're doing here is just you're telling the difference that Christ has made in your life and how you believe he can do the same thing for them. So it's not judgmental. It's not pointing the finger. It's not looking down upon people. It's you telling how the gospel changed everything in your life and how he can change their life too. So I think if we have that approach to sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, we will persevere a lot easier through fear because we're just sharing our story and we can ask them to share their story and people like to talk about themselves. I don't know if you know that or not, but they do. So if you can get them to open up, that's going to create that avenue to tell how the gospel can change them too. Here's the third thing, and this, this is not really a third point. It is in this thing, but it's not. We just encourage you, don't quit when it comes to sharing your faith specifically. 
Again, Romans 10, 16, Paul lets us know not everyone will be open to the good news. Not everyone's going to want to hear that, right? And they have their reasons, they have their excuses, they have their baggage. They think they're okay how they are without Christ. They think that you are crazy because you believe in this magical dude in the sky and this spirit that does things and all this. Like they may think that, okay? Not everyone's going to just be, oh yeah, come on, I've been waiting for somebody, right? Don't quit. If you, get, if you get shut down, don't quit. Move on to the next opportunity. If someone is just like, you're nuts. Okay, I love you. I'll pray for you. Let's go find somebody else and just see what they have to say. And again, we referenced this scripture last week. I don't have it here, but again, Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, don't become weary in doing good because in, in due season, at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's the same thing with sharing your faith. Not, not, maybe not the first person you talk to may just totally reject you. They may call you a name. They may show you how many fingers they have between the other ones. I don't know. You know, it's one of those kinds of things. Any number of things can happen. But as we keep going, keep going, keep going, we will reap a harvest. Let me just say this, though, as we begin to close. I do think that sometimes we assume people are going to shut us down, and that may not be the case. I think sometimes we put up this thing as an excuse to not take a step because we don't know what's going to happen because we assume it's going to go terribly. I'm going to fumble over my words, and they're going to call me names, and they're going to punch me, and they're going to call the cops on me or whatever. It's like, uh, it's like that may not be the case. We may have this thing built in as a safety mechanism to keep us from persevering, and it may not actually be true. So in 2019, there was, this, uh, there was a group called the Barna Research Group. They do a lot of uh, faith-based research uh, polling across the country. So in 2019, as part of one of their surveys, they say that people who consider themselves non-Christians or lapsed Christians, the preferred method of exploring their faith, 53% over half of non-Christians or lapsed Christians say by this poll that their preferred method of exploring faith would be in a casual conversation, either one-on-one or in a small group. Over half of people surveyed who are not Christians would say they would be open to exploring their faith in a conversation with other people. So what I'm seeing here is you got better than a 50-50 shot of having somebody who will be somewhat receptive to the gospel. Those are pretty good odds. I'll take those odds. And again, if we're doing it in this non-threatening way, here's what the difference, here's why I believe this. It's not these rules, not because the Bible tells me to or whatever. It's because Christ made a difference in my life, a tangible, real difference that I can point to and say, this, I was different then than I am now. This was different then than it is now, and it's all because of Jesus. If we can think of it in those terms and say, okay, maybe I'll get rejected, but I got a 50-50 shot. Let's go for it. Let's just see what happens. Because I believe people are hungry. People are searching. People are trying to figure out what is real. What is this life all about? Is there more than this? Is there more than the pain and suffering and agony that I see all around me? Is it more than the stuff that I'm experiencing that I can't deal with? Is it more than the stress that's driving me crazy? And you can be the one to say, yes, there's more to that. And let me introduce you. His name is Jesus. People are looking for that, so let's give them what they're looking for. If we have the gospel within us and they're looking for that, let's meet them in the middle and see what God can do. And that's the key to all three of these things, both in, you know, your, your pushing through and your disciplines and spiritual growth. It, remember, it's God doing the work, right? Even in persevering in prayer, 
you can't manufacture those results, right? It's God who's got to come through on the other end of that. When it comes to sharing your faith, all you can do is put yourself out there and share the gospel with them, and it's God who does the rest. So in all three of these areas, it's God doing the work. We push through, we persevere, and then God shows up. God comes through and changes people's lives, just like he changed your life, just like he's changed my life. So as we push through and persevere in all these areas, I believe that God will open up new things in our spiritual life that we've never even begun to consider experiencing. He can do things in us and through us that will blow our minds, but it must come through this lost art of spiritual perseverance.